Oh, praise God. Isn't he good? It's good to be in the house this morning, isn't it? Ooh, wow. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Matt, would you, would you run up here really quick? I just went over to tell this guy how much his worship blesses me. It just makes me smile from my head to my toes, watching him get into it. And uh, when I did, he started praying for me and said that the Lord had given him just a, a quick little vision. And, and I wanted him to share that with the rest of us. Hello, church. Hello, bride. <laughs> so I've been hearing reports. I. My family and I, we're, we're, we live in Boise, so we go to the River House. If anyone's heard of it, it's, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. An arm, it's like an arm in an arm, you know, part of the body. Amen. And so I've been hearing reports from Candace McDowell and my, my buddy, uh, Sam Burns. And they're, they're telling me that this, this church, they're like, it's pre-COVID. It's like you go in there, it's, it's like nothing even happened. It's nothing even happened. And what, what God was showing me was, there's a song from a band that I, I listened to, and the song, uh, in the lyrics it says, if it's a war you came to see, you will never see a waved white flag in front of me. I can't end up dead. I won't be misled. This church is more contagious than COVID. <laughs> this church does not, does not stop what he is doing. A lot of church, oh, it's you know, time to take the offering. Okay, we're going to stop. No. If God's moving, you guys are on board. You guys are on board. And it's not like, you know, yeah, there's people that are affected by this COVID, but we, we don't, we focus on Jesus. There we go. And if it's a wave white flag, Satan, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see this church hold that because you guys are not contained to the four walls of this church. You guys are more contagious than COVID. Spreading the kingdom and the gospel, the good news to this land. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, now does not his uninhibited worship bless you like crazy? Love you. Appreciate you. Misty, Misty Carlfeld. I, I, we, I, I read uh, a post that she did this morning, and it's like, oh my goodness, that just blessed me to no end. Would you share that? And if you got a little something that you want to add, or uh, this is not a political platform, though. <laughs> I knew my place this morning when I was asked to say this, <laughs> but I don't blame you for. <coughs> Does anybody else blame him? <laughs> so, um, excuse my shake, I have an autoimmune disease, 
and um, the Mayo Clinic said I would have seven to ten years to live with this autoimmune disease. I'm now in year seven, and I'm healthier than I was when I went to the Mayo Clinic by far. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I knew that nobody knows my expiration date but my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so at that time, I knew that he had kept me here for such a time as this. Amen. Healing my body and healing my family and bringing me an, an amazing husband and naturopathic doctor to help with that. And so I have had peace in knowing that I was created for such a time as this. But I'm a, I'm a mama lioness. And I fight for my children every day to protect them. And part of that was living for them, right? And so I was crying out to the Lord because of the times that these are. Taking my kids to a, a store with little, other little kids with masks and feeling their frustrations. My son going to college, he's 20, and like what is his future going to be? This is his third year in college, so I was crying out to the Lord. And when I get emotional, I shake even more, so sorry about that. And um, I was crying out to the Lord, what about their future? What about their plans? What about, what about their freedom? What about their liberty? And he whispered to my heart, they were also created for such a time as this. <laughs> yeah. And you guys, I hit my knees and I wept because I don't want that to be true. I want to protect them like the mama lioness God created me to be. And then he gave me this vision that he is the papa lion behind me. He is their Abba Father. He knitted them and created them for this time, and I have to trust that. So I felt inspired to share that with moms, and I'm going to leave you with this scripture. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So we are prayer warrior mama lionesses, yes? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Again, I say, isn't God good? So good, all the time. I want to, man, there's a lot of things that I want to share with you today, this morning, but I want to go back and revisit just a little bit of last week. Uh, who was here last week? Oh, almost everybody. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, you'll know what I'm talking about then. I was talking uh, about, in, in Luke, the eighth chapter of Luke, uh, <clears throat> about the, the guy that was demonized, that he had many, many demons. Legion had a lot of demons that Jesus cast out of him. And I, I, I just want to read the last... Oh, from 36 to 40. 8.36 to 8.40. And then we'll, I want to just talk a little bit and then get into some more scripture. I felt like... I studied from here. I knew what I was going to be speaking, so I started studying in Colossians. And I would encourage all of you to read Colossians this week. That's what I, where I was going to be preaching, where I was going to be teaching. And I was excited about it, but the Lord changed my mind last night. And it's like, but I'm prepared. 
Something that, and I, I go back again to B, the last conversation that I had with B, with Beulah Wagner, and she said, and I should, have had, I should have it written down right here in front of me, but basically she said, Lynn, walk fully in the authority and the anointing the Lord has given you. Don't stress or strive. Let him do the work. It's like, all right, if you're showing me something different, we're going a different direction, Lord. So, and I just have to kind of give you a little bit of insight here. I felt like, like late last night, just before I went to bed, when I thought I should be ready for this morning, he said, I, want, I felt like really in my spirit, not like I heard an audible voice, but so in my spirit, I want you to compare the end of Luke, what you've just been preaching with Samson. It's like the story of Samson. I was like, what? Oh, okay. So I started looking up the Samson and revisiting. I haven't been there, seen that, thought about that for such a long time. So I'm just telling you, that's, that's the journey that we're going to take. A little bit of comparison. And, and here, here is what, here's the only part that I really heard last night for sure. It's like, you know, there is some power, some demonic power, which is a stronghold that Jesus broke in the 8th chapter of Luke. He, he broke that stronghold off that area, and he delivered that man completely set free, completely restored, the man that had so many demons. Sent him into the pig. So it's like, okay. But he said, you know, there is definitely power that is given to demons in the demonic realm, but, but we know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and he that is in uh, this, this demonic realm. So we already know that. We know who wins. But this is, is a comparison because, you know, we, we, we read about how that, how that demonized man could actually break chains. They couldn't keep him chained. He could end up breaking chains. When I was at with just his incredible power, no, that was supernatural strength given to him through the demonic realm. Right? Everybody's with me? They couldn't contain him. They couldn't chain him. They put guards on him. They could not get him to submit, bring him into submission. He, he just ran free because of the demonic power that was over his life. It's like, okay, got that, Lord. But, so now we're going we're gonna to read 36. They also who had seen it, those that witnessed what had taken place, told them by what means he, the, the demonized man, he who had been demonized was healed. 37, then the whole multitude of the surrounding area of the Gadarenes asked him, asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. Everybody say, great fear. Yeah, fear not, for I am with you. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. In other words, that he, could just, that he could just stay with Jesus. He didn't want to leave Jesus' side. He wanted to be with him. He wanted to stay with him. Like I was just saying yesterday or last Sunday, stay at the feet of Jesus, just, just to be there and remain in his presence. But Jesus sent him away, 
saying, return to your own house. I was thinking, man, he didn't live in a house. He lived in the tombs up there and cut himself and howled. But return to your own house. That was back to where you lived before. Until what great things God has done for you. And he, the, the, the demonized man, went his way now completely set free. What good things had God done for him? Saved him, set him free. He was free from that demonic realm. He was free from the chains. It's, like, it's so amazing that he didn't end up having to have a whole bunch of counseling or inner healing. He was just set free all at one time because of one encounter with Jesus. Set free. A radical encounter. A radical uh, freedom. So, indeed, he did just that. He went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. He saved him. He set him free. He delivered him. He cast out the demons. It's like, yes, praise God. He shared his testimony with everyone. He said he went throughout the whole city proclaiming through that city what great things Jesus had done for him. Now, verse 40 in my Bible, and, and, and this is one that Renee's grandpa had and studied from 1987 till his, his death in somewhere up in the 90s, and I think it's so cool to end up having this Bible. It's a New King James, and the next verse looks like it's connected right to this. Now, when I read this to you, there are Bible scholars out here that I know are going to say, oh, but Pastor Lynn, you're taking that out of context. But, but follow with me and just listen to this. He went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. And verse 40 says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Now, this, this is the way it reads in my Bible, and then there's another heading under there that said a woman is healed, you know, moves forward for, for verse 41. But verse 40 is connected to 41. If, 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 we're looking at as, as this Bible as an historic event. I just want you to think a little bit differently right now because I believe that every one of us are called to go share the good news of the gospel with everyone we can, what good things he's done for us, so they will be ready and waiting for Jesus' return. So think with me on that. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Now, if we go about sharing the good news of what Jesus has done for us with everybody we run into, anybody that possibly will listen, what kind of a difference can we make in our area? So when he does come back, people are going to be ready and waiting for that return. It's like, yes, that's what, that's what we want to do. I was meeting with a... a um, uh, a couple here not all that long ago, and they were saying to me, well, I'm not really sure uh, what probably my ministry will look like or, or what God has for me next. said, you know, just kind of wondering a little bit. I said, well, you have a testimony, don't you? Then you have got a ministry. 
Share that testimony with everybody you can. The good news of Jesus and what He's done for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a testimony? Share it. Boldly share it. Boldly share it. Okay. We're going to flip now to Judges. Start with Judges 13. I'm going to read and then elaborate and read and elaborate. So we're going to end up covering like three or four chapters right here, and I'm going to, going to break it down. Chapter 13, the beginning, verse 1, Again the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40, and I say Philistines, I know that probably I should say Philistines, but that just doesn't sound right to me into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So, so they, they were under the heavy weight, oppressed by the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. Another barren wife with no children. First thing that, as I was, re well, after the first time that I read through it and started to go, to go back through, it's like, wow, his wife, who is not named in any of these next three chapters other than the wife of Manoah or the mother of, we get into that here just shortly, uh, wife and mother, wife and mother, that, that mama bear, that mama lioness that we're talking about here. Now there was a certain man... <laughs> His name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. I just want to tell you that there are stories, there are several stories in the Bible of women who ended up, who were barren, who ended up having a visitation from the Lord, which changed their life, and they no longer were barren. They became fruitful and had and produced children. Abraham. Isaac, Elkanah, and Manoah. For, for, for the, the, we're going to elaborate on that just a little bit further. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman, this unnamed woman, the wife of, uh, of Manoah, appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children. It's like, well, thank you for that information. I knew that, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful. What do I say? Be careful. Not to drink wine or similar drink, not to eat anything unclean. And this was not, not, not for the boy, that for the son that was, not just for the son that was going to be born, that was going to come forth, but this was for the mother that's getting some very specific instructions. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. So why is she given some very specific instructions? Because he is going to be a Nazarite to God from the womb. He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. 
So, what is he being born for? What, what's the purpose that he's being born for? He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistine. He's born for such a time as this. He's going to begin the work. Get freedom started. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. <laughs> but I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive, bear a son, now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent to us come again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of the God came to the woman as she was sitting in the field. So Manoah asked for, the, for, for a visitation for the man to come back and speak to them. And who did he go speak to? Uh, the lioness. Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man has just now appeared to me, the one who came to me the other day. So Manoah arose, followed his wife, when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? He said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will the boy's rule of life and his work? What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the wine, she may, that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? And when your words, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. Seeing what? Seeing this miracle come to pass is wonderful. You don't need to know my name. You just need to see the miracle. So Manoah took the young goat with a grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. As the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, it happened that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of that altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. It's like, oh, man. So when they made the sacrifice, I just think, you know, there are so many shadows, types, shadows, symbolism in the Old Testament that's just telling the story of the New Testament, of what's coming. And I love this right here. It's like, now what happened? The sacrifice was made. The young goat was killed. 
a sacrifice was made, the fire was started, and, and, and the angel then the, ascended to God. What happened to Jesus after he was sacrificed? His ascension to God. And the people got to see and got to watch. Like, yes, there was... So there was sacrifice and resurrection. They saw the Spirit go up into heaven. So when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. Then his wife, the lioness, had much more common sense even though she's nameless, she said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. In other words, he's given us a promise. He's shown us something. We saw an incredible miracle. Do you think he's going to just kill us at this time? Come on, husband, pay attention. Use some common sense. So the woman bore a son, called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Ah, that's the part. And the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanae, Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. Eshtol. Now, the Spirit of the Lord began to move on him. It's like, oh, that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing when we get to experience the Spirit of the Lord moving, which we got to experience already this morning. But, so Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, go get her for me. I want her as a wife. It's like, isn't that just a great way to be asking your mom and dad? It's like, this only child thing, I think he was really spoiled. <laughs> now, therefore, go get her for me as a wife. I see the one I want, go get her. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or of among my people that you're going to have to go get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. It's like, man, now this was a determined, determined spoiled little brat whose hand of the Lord was on. It's like, Hmm. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. They didn't understand why in the world he would possibly end up choosing a wife, mixing it up with the Philistines when all, there's plenty of beautiful women out here. But God had his hand in this. He had a purpose for Samson's life, which we read back here in chapter 13. And that was to begin... A work against the Philistines to set the children of Israel free. Right? Everybody still with me? God had a purpose and a plan. His father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking 
that he, the Lord, was seeking an occasion, an opportunity to move against the Philistines. So Samuel was chosen. There was a plan. There was a purpose. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So they were under the oppression of the Philistines, and Samuel was called, was raised up, was born for such a time as this, and purposed. What did I say? Samuel, yeah, yeah, that's what I, uh, I think you probably just heard wrong. It was Samson, (laughs) Samson. Thank you, I thank you for that support. (laughs) That woman he gave me. (laughs) So, so, that incredible woman that he gave me with all of the common sense and beauty So, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards there. Now, to his surprise, a young lion came out roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. I think we should just say this together. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore that lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. He had no weapon of any kind, and he just tore that lion apart. But he didn't tell his mom or dad what he had done. You know, he was pretty good at keeping secrets from his family. But we're going to see how well he did, how his love life went, how good he was at keeping secrets from the women in his life. Now, then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased him well. Mm-hmm. After some time, when he had returned to... I don't know what you're laughing at, but, <laughs> but I think I might be starting to turn red. After, after some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. You know, that lion that he tore up. He saw the carcass there. He checked on it. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of that lion. It's like, oh, right. So he took some of it in his hands and went along eating. The honey that he took out of that dead carcass, that just doesn't sound right. Like, I would want to eat it. There's probably like a lot of bacteria, but honey's a really pure thing though, right? Yeah, okay. What do you think, docs? Honey's a pretty pure thing. It's like, would you eat it out of the carcass of a lion? No, yeah, I think me not either. But anyway, when he came to his father and mother, he gave some of it to them. It's like, I'm not going to be the only one that gets poisoned by this stuff. I'm going to share this with mom and dad. And they also ate, but he did not tell them that he'd taken the honey out of the carcass of that lion. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. They used to do that. And it was so when they saw him, they, the Philistines, that they brought 30 companions to be with him. He said, this is what I wanted, 30 buddies that come from my enemy's camp. 
Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of this feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you can't explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. Clothing. And they said to him, Pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they couldn't explain this riddle. So it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us or else we'll burn you and your father's house with fire. It's like, well, that's kind of scary. She wasn't, was afraid that Samson might not be able to protect her from that. Was it the, the threat of that? But I want you to just to hang on. Remember that this statement has been made. Or else we'll burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Like you invited us to this big feast and now we're not going to be able to solve this, this riddle. I mean, we threw in, we, we, we joined the bet, but now we're losing and we're not very happy about it. So you showed up just to take our money? Then Samson's wife wept on him. It's like, this is just great. What a honeymoon. How fun is this? Samson's wife wept on him and said, you only hate me. You don't love me. You've posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you haven't even explained to me. And he looked at her and he said, Look, I haven't even explained it to my mom or dad, so should I explain it to you? Well, she obviously thought so. So now she wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it happened on the seventh day that he told her, because she pressed him so much. So this big, strong Samson caved into the pressure of his wife, the one who slept on that pillow with him, and she's just in his ear all the time. <laughs> Finally, he caved. And, and, and. So then she, then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day, just before the sun went down, just before closing time, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, you dirtbags, if you had not plowed... <laughs> if you had not plowed with my heifer... You... <laughs> If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. You cheated. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. Oh, again, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. You see, back in, in Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came up on them, the different people that we read about, for specific purposes at specific times and empowered them to accomplish what God wanted them to accomplish at that time, that specific purpose. Everybody got that with me? Okay. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he went down to Ash. Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men took their apparel 
gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. It's like, oh, that backfired. <laughs> so as his anger was aroused, he went back to his father's house. And Samson's wife, then, was given to his companion, who had been his best man. Oh, what are good friends for, huh? His best man, his companion, now is the owner of his wife. Yeah, that stinks. After a while, in the time of wheat harvest, everybody say wheat harvest. You, gotta, you just have to really get a picture of this because I, this, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. It's like, we take flowers when we mess up. He took a young goat. He said to his father-in-law, let me go into her room. But her father would not permit him to go in. In fact, her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her, this, this baby girl of mine. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. But is not her younger sister even better than she is? Take her instead. It's like, yeah, no. Samson said to him, no, thank you. This time I shall be blameless for what I'm going to do to the Philistines. This time I'll be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them now. Then Samson went out. Now, this has got to be a supernatural feat right here. <laughs> the presence of God, came, we're just saying right here, the presence of God came on Samson. He went out and caught 300 foxes. Can you imagine catching 300 foxes? He went out and caught, it says he went out and caught 300 foxes. Like, here, fox, they must have just come running to him, or this would have taken forever. It was supernatural, I'm telling you. He turned the foxes tail to tail. I've done this with cats. Oh, no, I better not. I better not even tell them. So. Never mind. Strike that. Strike that. Strike that. Uh, never been a cat lover, though, but turned foxes tail to tail. So imagine this. He tied their tails together with a torch tied in between their tails. Another supernatural event uh, just to accomplish that. So there's 300 foxes. That means there's 150 pairs, 150 torches. So when he had set, when he had set the torches on fire, just picture this. 150 sets, pairs of foxes running around, playing tug-of-war, running out through the grain fields, which we've already heard are ready for harvest, ripe for harvest. So they're out running through the grain fields with their tails tied together and a torch in between them. When he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines, burned up both the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. Oh. Now, once you start messing with what we talked about last week, when you start messing with the economy, you're messing with their money now. So they are very upset. Then the Philistines said, who's done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. 
So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, Since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that, I'll stop. So he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. So it's just, that just means he killed a bunch of them. He slaughtered them. Then he went down and dwelt in the cliff of the rock of Edom. Now the Philistines went up, encamped around Judah, and deployed themselves against Lehi. Now the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? Like, what did we do? They were under the oppression of the Philistines. Remember, they're in control. So they answered, We've come to arrest Samson to do to him as he has done to us. Then the 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, Samson said, As they did to me, so I've done to them. I just want you to hear this and think for a second. These were the people that Samson was going to be working at setting free. Right? These are the ones that are supposed to be on his side. Is everybody with me? 3,000 of them came to him. They had just a little bit of pressure put on them, and they completely caved, completely caved under the pressure, went to Samson, the one who actually had the purpose for his life was to end up starting the process to set them free, and they all turned on him, 3,000 of them. Think, now, what happened to Jesus? Jesus came to the earth to destroy the works of the devil and to set people free. Salvation, freedom, eternal life. And what happened to, the very, to him by and through the very people that he came to set free and save? They turned their back on him and set him up for death. Same thing happened to Samson. Do you know that the Philistines have rule over us? And they said to him, We've come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. It's like, guys, 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 I'm the one that's here to set you free, and this is what you're going to do to me. He said to him, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him, saying, No, but... We will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we surely will not kill you. So he goes, oh, okay. I have a God who's going to take care of me. I'm confident in this. They bound him with two new ropes, brought him up from the rock. When they came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. So when they were all rallied up, and here he is, here he is, we've got him, he's tied up. We're ready to have our way with this guy. We're going to get even now. But the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Again. And the ropes that were on his arms wrapped around him became like flax that's burned with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. 
He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, took it, and killed a thousand men with it. So we've seen two major slaughters now of Philistines that have been killed at the hand of Samson. So then he said, after he's killed a thousand men with the jawbone, maybe he broke it in, you know, that jawbone comes out, maybe he broke it and had one in each hand. Anyway, the jawbone of a donkey. He says, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've slain a thousand men. And so it was, when he had finished speaking, that he threw the jawbone from his hand, called that place Ramoth-Lehi. Then he became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, You've given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. Now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? I just want to I want to stop and talk about this just a little bit that there, there there's time when 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 we are even fulfilling the purpose of God in our lives when we're working for for God that we we come to a place oftentimes that we thirst that we need refreshing a time that we so desperately need to be regenerated we need to be refreshed and and Samson was there he had become very thirsty and he, but he, and he gave God credit very clearly. You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. Like the process has started, another thousand of them are dead. There were 30, then there was a great slaughter. Now there's another thousand that are dead. Now shall I die of thirst at the hand of these uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that's in Lehi and water came out and he drank and his spirit returned and he revived. I think, oh, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you had asked me for a drink of water, I would have given you living water that you will never thirst again, that, that, that you will be given, that out of your belly even will flow, flow rivers of living water. It's like, yes, yes. Refreshed in the Spirit. So he was refreshed in the Spirit because he got a drink from the water of God. The water of God. Living water. Therefore he called its name in Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. And the next step, he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Then Samson, um, yeah, I think we might just skip that part. He dropped in, and then he ended up tearing, tearing a gate to a city, carried that, that gate with him, and then he ended up finding. The lords of the Philistines came up, he found Delilah. Let's just say he found Delilah, someone else that he was in love with. Lords of the Philistine came up, to her, realized that Samson had fallen in love with another one of theirs, like kind, came up to her and said, you need to find out where his great strength lies and by what means that we may overpower him. We're going to bind him up. That's, that's what we want to do. And we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver, each one of us. Now, when Jesus was betrayed, what, what was it? It was money. It was 30 pieces of silver. The very f first thing that Samson did was killed 30 
of the Philistines. 30 pieces of silver is what betrayed Jesus. Well, she was getting 1,100 pieces of silver from several different ones. So her, her, her selling him out was for considerably more money. So she said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies, how you might be bound to afflict you. It's like, why in the world would you even ask that? Can you imagine being him and thinking, I, I, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to answer this question. I am in love with you. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're beautiful. All of this stuff that attracted him to her. He said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, I'll become weak like any other man. So she tried it and called the Philistines. They came rushing in and he just broke them. It's like, okay, Samson, it's time to get a clue. Now there were men lying in wait. They came into the room, but oop, oop, he just broke them like yarn. Then Delilah said to him, Look, you've mocked me. You've told me lies. Now please tell me how that this really would work. He said to her, Oh, if you bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become weak like any other man. She tried that. Same scenario. Called the called him in. Samson, Samson, the, 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 the Philistines are upon you. And he stood up, broke the ropes, just like they were ribbons. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me three times. So this happened three times. Samson had three amazing, incredible, ridiculous warnings that he passed. He's like... Come on, get a clue. You need, to, you need somebody like your mom in your life that would wake up, wake up. It came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words. Now, what happened to that first wife of his? She pestered him daily with her words that his soul was vexed to death. Oh, to death. That has an incredible ring right there. So he told her all of his heart. He poured his heart out to her. He loved her. He poured his heart out. He said, no razors ever come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak, just like any other man. It's like, what does it take to get your strength? Delilah saw that he had told the truth, and she called him in, and then... Verse 19, then she lulled him. The Philistines came with the money. They gave her the money because they were convinced. She, she's got her money in hand. She's no dummy. She's going to make sure she gets paid first. She lulled him, to, lulled him to sleep on her knees, then called for a man, had him shave the locks off his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. It's like, how in the world did this incredible man of God, who his presence came on on a regular basis, who had a purpose and a call for his life, who had led as a judge of the children of Israel, of the people of Israel for 20 years, how did he, he succumb to that? It's like he was lulled to sleep. He lost his power. His power was stolen, was taken away from him because he was lulled to sleep. Are you hearing that this morning? It's like, as a church, what is the power that we have? It's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
It's meeting together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's being filled with His Spirit. Being filled with His Spirit. Worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. It, But we, 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 I, I even go back. I want to flip back even just a little bit. What, when the people, the 3,000 people turned on him, they had some pressure for those that were oppressing them. Then it went them against Samson, rejecting him, betraying him. It's like we are living in a time, in a time, such a time as this, we're living in a time that we cannot be lulled to sleep. We have got to be listening to what Holy Spirit is saying and how Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us and be directed and focused on Him. Not on the pressures that we may be feeling from all around us, but by what He's saying and how He's directing what he's showing and where he's leading. Are you with me this morning? It's like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Do not be lulled to sleep or your power will be taken away. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I don't want to... You know, I'm not going to go to any more scripture. I just want to talk a little bit. There was a, a, a time in my life, we're going to go to Acts, we're going to end with Acts 2.38 in just a little bit, but there was a time in my life that I knew I desperately needed something, like from about 16 and a half, maybe 17, up to 19 years old, where I went on this big quest and a search for, I was looking for fulfillment and not knowing exactly what that looked like or even what I was searching for, but I ended up searching in all kinds of places, places that I shouldn't have been, places that, things that I shouldn't, nece no, not necessarily, things that I shouldn't have been doing, um, things that, not the way that I'd been raised, but just uh, spreading my wings, doing a little experimenting. Renee and I had the opportunity not all that long ago to uh, sit with the most powerful people in a really big, big spiritual organization. Uh, big, big church. Big, big worldwide church. And sat with the, a worldwide leader of, the, of this church. And, and we were going around in a, in a circle. And, and this, you know, the man was amazing. And as he was talking, he started asking everybody around that table, so, how did you get to where you are? Tell me about, you know, tell me about your education. Tell me about, tell me about, you know, where, where you went to school, how you got to where you are. And, and as we went around that table, it was like, oh, this, the person next to him, one, two, three. Then Renee was like the fourth one around there. All of them just had led perfect lives. It's like, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing that you, you got to live that life and, and you got to go to, you know, you graduated from high school and, and you took off and did some mission stuff for a while and, and you went to a big university and, and you met your, your husband there and now you've got those three kids and four kids and you're serving the Lord. And 
this is awesome, and you have your own business, and this, oh, man, perfect, perfect, perfect. Gets to Renee, perfect. <laughs> follow the leader, right around, right, right around, other than a, a, a different church. But she's like fourth generation or fifth, I don't know how many generations of pastors that, you know, that, that, that she's come up through. And so got to my turn and I said, man, it's, it, it's time that someone around this table steps up and tells something real. I do have a testimony and it wasn't perfect. I'm starting to get into this just a little bit, this imperfect part. And so he gets to me and he says, so... We got our name tags in front of us, signed seats and stuff. And he goes, so how about you, Mr. Hardy, Pastor Hardy? And I said, well, I graduated from Caldwell High School. I went to the University of Idaho where I learned to be an entrepreneur. He goes, oh, how so? I said, well, I bought my first kilo there. I broke it into bags. I brought it back to Caldwell. I sold it here where chemicals were very, you know, were really flowing. So I bought chemicals while I was here, took those back to University of Idaho, sold them for more money, and was able to buy more pot to bring back. He said, everybody's mouth on that side of the table just kind of dropped open. You really said that to the president? I was like, yes, I did. Uh, I said, but I, it's not how I was raised. I knew that's not who I was supposed to or called to be. And I met my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and my life was drastically changed. He said, oh, 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 good, good. And this is the one that really made my wife proud. He says, and how did you select a church? I said, man, there was this beautiful woman that I saw. And he's like, he shook his head and he, uh, next. <laughs> so, so I share that, is that, that is part of my testimony, that I, I was radically saved. I, I spent a couple years experimenting and trying all kinds of things that were not bringing any real satisfaction into my heart, into my life. I knew that's not what I was looking for, but I still didn't really know what that was until I met Jesus. I was with my aunt, who you saw here last week. I was with her. I, I was in a really confused time in my life. I was uh, trying to get a lot of things straightened out and I went there to visit her in South Dakota. She and her husband had a little tiny church there in Martin, South Dakota. And uh, so I was in church three times a week because I was staying right in their house. I was listening to him get up and, and study his Bible at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning while I was trying to get sleep because he was going to be waking me up to go out and work with him in construction laying cinder blocks. Well, that was the kind of life that he led. And then Wednesdays and Sunday morning and Sunday night, there was Bible study, and then they had something in their home. It's like, wow, wow. The last night I was there, he preached a message that brought clarity to me. It's like, man is led by faith, not by sight or by feelings. It's like, oh. 
so I don't have to be able to figure out if God created man who created God and I don't have to figure out all, all of these questions. All I have to do is believe. And Jesus came into my heart that night in my own bedroom because I wasn't about to go up to an altar. I didn't understand how all of that even worked. This was just a taste that I had been getting. But Jesus came into my heart in my bedroom and my life has never been the same. Never, never looked back. I wouldn't say that I didn't have plenty of scrapes on my knees and hands, but I always fell forward so I could get back up and keep running. I would never say that I backslid. I would say that I tripped several times, fell forward, got up so I could continue moving forward. See, he's a God of progress. Once he has forgiven us... We no longer have to end up walking in our sins. We just have to get up and just keep on walking. Take another step. Take another step. We don't have to go back and start all over again. We just have to get up where we left off and just start walking again. Raise our head up. Raise our hands up. Shake it off. And just keep walking. But we do have to repent of our sins, turn from our ways, and be filled with the Holy Spirit that empowers us to accomplish what He's called us to do and what He's purposed us for. Acts 2.38. Let's jump to Acts 2.38 really quick. I could... Uh, Peter just, after they were filled with, in the upper room, they were, they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came down and he preached this amazing, incredible message to, to them all. And, and, and after, I mean, they were just pricked right to the heart with the message that he spoke to them. And, and they said, brethren, then what do we need to do? What do we need to do to have what you have? This good news that you've shared with us, how do we get it? And Peter says in, in verse 38, he said to him, Repent, let every one of you be baptized. So repent, what does repent mean? It, it means, Jesus, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to turn away from this because this is not what I want for my life, which is just what I did in that bedroom all by myself. And, and, and Jesus came in and said, let, whatever, let, let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. You know, it wasn't until the wee hours of this morning, I was just, I was just laying in bed thinking for the remission. I'm, I'm just thinking for the forgiveness of sin, for the forgiveness of, of sin, because that's what that seems like. But that was highlighted to me as I was laying in my bed this morning for the remission of sin. What is the remission? What's the remission of cancer? It's when it's stopped, it's halted, it's no longer active, it's not working in your body anymore. Remission is when it's been deactivated. It's been deactivated. It's not working anymore. It's not making any more progress in your body because it's been stopped, halted, deactivated. Our sin when we've been baptized, when we've repented and been baptized, is been deactivated. It's gone into remission through baptism. We're buried with Christ in baptism to be resurrected, to walk in new, powerful life, filled with the Holy Spirit to accomplish what He's called us to do. 
we're going to have baptism in two weeks. Dale, two, two, two Sundays from today, two, two, two Sundays away. There are some people that want to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, man, let's put remission to the sin in your life. Let's get you baptized. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sin, and you will receive that promised gift of the Holy Spirit. stand together. I would just ask you if you, you know, <laughs> sharing the good news, the good news is there's freedom. The man that in, in Luke, the eighth chapter of Luke, the man that was, that had all of the demons cast out of him, stepped into freedom. He was regenerated. He was saved. He was set free. That's such good news. But you know, every one of us can experience that same thing. Sometimes we just, we just carry junk around on our, on our back and on our shoulders and we think, well, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. But Jesus wants to take all that and just set you completely free this day, this morning. There is no reason that you can't be completely set free this morning from anything that tangles you up, that binds you up, that holds you up. The power of the blood of Jesus will set you free. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sin and you'll be raised up with him to walk in new life. I just ask and encourage you, is there anybody this morning that doesn't know Jesus in their lives? I'll just ask you to come right over here because he wants to set you free this morning. Anybody this morning that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that has not experienced that freedom, that forgiveness, to be able to start walking without that weight on your shoulder, not leaning over and thinking, oh, 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 I need to get rid of this. I need to get rid of this. He wants to set you free this morning. If there's anybody like Samson that has labored and labored and labored and sinks, Oh, I'm ready for a time of refreshing. I need that drink. I need some living water this morning to renew and to refresh me. I invite you to come up. Anybody that needs renewal, some refreshing this morning? I believe that God wants, the, the, I just say, there's a fresh wind blowing. And God, God wants you to, f to have a big, big, a big, big drink, to enjoy that breeze. We step outside this morning and the breeze was blowing. The mountains were starting to, you could see the mountains again out, you know, out our, our window. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord, that you're clearing things up for us. It's being cleared up. I just thank you for living water for living water, for that refreshing, renewing living water like Samson was asking for. If there's anybody that needs refreshing this morning, again, I just ask you, let's just come to the front. Let's pray together. God's got some, something really special for us this morning. We just have to come and get it. We just have to come and get it.
It's like, come, drink, come, drink, come, drink. I want to refresh you. I, I, I want to replenish you so you're ready to run the next mile and the next mile. We got a battle to fight. We got a battle to fight, and we're not raising any white flag. We're going to win this battle. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.